Okay. Hey, that's better. <clears throat> Good morning, River Valley. Yeah. What I was going to say is what I really like about you guys and uh, in the conversations I had with Tim contemplating doing this is you are not afraid to tackle the difficult things of our culture. Right? Stepping into this position, you know, coming and sharing the Word of God and bringing perspective about the difficulties we face, for me, I take that very seriously. And yet this morning, this will feel a little bit like a practical session around something called two things, stress and anxiety. But you guys are up for the challenge. So welcome back to the amusement park. <laughs> we talked about the roller coaster last week. Okay, so this one is like one I experienced uh, growing up. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I do not like the Green Bay Packers, by the way. And this is going to be very distracting for me this morning. No, <laughs> you don't have to leave. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, Steelers shirt would be great, even though they're terrible this year. Anyway, so I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and there was an amusement park called Kennywood. And I went to Kennywood a lot as a kid, and there was a roller coaster there called the Racer. Okay, it had two cars. It had a red one and a blue one. And they would run side by side. And whenever which one you jumped on, you were like, come on, baby, we're going to win. And they were constantly running next to each other. Here's the illustration. This morning, we're talking about stress and anxiety. They kind of work the same way. There's an interconnectedness and a relationship between stress and anxiety in your life. And understanding how that happens is very, very important. Jesus, in his life, did so many things naturally to mitigate and manage his own stress and anxiety. He was human, and he was fully God. He experienced everything that we experience and did it in a divine way that was driven by his own health and care and growth and all of those things that are needed to maintain a stable life. Stress and anxiety are not bad. They can be bad. There's aspects of stress and anxiety that are very good, and we need them for our life. If you were here last week, I talked about the performance bell curve. We need a certain level of stress and anxiety in our life to wake us up in the morning, <laughs> to get us interested in things, to help us do things that are meaningful. The problem is when we get to the crest of that bell curve and it starts to go the other way, that's problematic. There are many things that you're going to see this morning when I talk about practically in something I call the stress matrix, where you're going to, if you think about the life of Jesus, he did these things naturally. Something like diet. Jesus was never rolling into McDonald's and ordering a large fry. His diet was such that it maintained his life. And I'm not critiquing that. I rolled into McDonald's last week and did that. Okay? I just know what I'm getting when I do that. So we're going to talk about a lot of practical, th practical things. I want to explain it to you through the perspective of a mental wellness plan. Do you have a mental wellness plan for your life? Or do you only have a physical wellness plan? Or what kind of plan do you have for your life? Here's what I mean by a mental wellness plan. If I walk into my doctor, I schedule an appointment, and I sit down, and the doctor begins to ask me some questions like, Mr. Boast, do you exercise? No. I fly fish sort of exercise, but I'd like, no, I don't have a reg regular exercise plan. Um, how's your diet? Uh, like, it's okay. Uh, I, I love food, and, and, but it's, it's not great, actually, if I'm honest with you. And then he goes, um, 
or actually my doctor's a she, she goes, how's your sleep? Mm, not fantastic, I get about six hours a night. You know you need eight. Yeah, I know I need eight. Do you eat a lot of red meat? Of course I do, who doesn't? We live in Idaho. So if those questions are asked of me and then I, they run some tests and I come back two weeks later for the report and my doctor looks at me and goes, unfortunately, Mr. Bost, I have some bad news. You're at risk for cardiovascular disease. You have sleep apnea, which I actually do. I just did a sleep test. Probably too much information. You didn't want to know that about me. But we're all friends here. So you got sleep apnea. You're, you, you, there's just a lot of unhealthy things in your life. Your cholesterol's high. I cannot look at my doctor and go, how can that be? I have no, you got to be lying. I have no idea how that happened. Based on the information I just gave you about the interview, the reality is I kind of have to take the position of, guess I earned it. So same thing with our mental health. Do we have a plan? Do we understand how to maintain it? So I want to cast vision to you about this discussion today through the lens of stewardship. How do you steward your stress and your anxiety in a good way? Because there's an aspect of it that is very good. Stress becomes bad when it becomes chronic. Anxiety becomes bad when it becomes a disorder. But there's aspects of it throughout the day that ebbs and flows that we need to know how to manage. Very, very important, too. The, the next generation, there's a message, an underlying message, and they may not articulate this directly, but culture is casting um, some messages to us on a regular basis that sound like this. If you struggle with stress or anxiety, if you don't feel good all the time, there's something wrong with you. You must have a mental health issue. That is a flat lie. We clear on that? So I want to be able to take us to a place today to talk about stress and anxiety in a practical way. And so first, the verse that I want to begin with uh, to frame this is in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Most people stop there. They're like, I want my burdens relieved. I don't want to deal with these things. That's where most people stop. But if you keep reading, this is what it says. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The point here is Jesus is saying there's some strategic things that I need to teach you that you have to learn to be able to have your burdens relieved. I will relieve them, but we have to learn how to do it in such a way that it goes away. One thing Jesus did a lot in his teaching is he would quote the Old Testament. In that passage in Matthew 11, the part where it says, rest for your souls, some of you in your Bibles might have, it might be in all uh, bold or in all capitals, he's quoting the Old Testament. Strategically, he's quoting Jeremiah 6.16 that says this, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. There is a strategic way of walking that produces rest in our lives. Jesus wants to teach us that. If you want to have in your life mentally, if you want to have mental wellness and health, the key is to create stability across the board. 
The more stable things feel for you, the better you're going to be. The more unstable they feel, the more you're going to struggle. There's a correlation there, and even Jesus knows this. Interesting thing here is the response of uh, Israel to this. <laughs> when they're offered this path, they say, uh, but no, you reply, no, that's not the road we want. That was the Israelites' reply to the offer. So in some sense, folks, we need to push back on our own inner Israelite. Okay, I got one who doesn't want the path. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Most people view that verse through the lens of salvation. Here's what's being said there that's true of it. I am the path. I am the way to walk. Watch how I walked this, and you will find strategically something for your life. That path is driven by the way, the truth, which is fullness of reality. Jesus is the fullness of reality that's along the path that is architecting it. And then life, the entire blessing of vitality that he wants to offer to us. That is way more, that passage is way more than salvation. It's also about our transformation. It's also about our growth and our maturity. So with that, we're going to start into talking about stress or the building blocks of stress. I don't know about you, like, there are certain things in life that stress me out. Um, you probably have yours. The thing that stresses me out the most is Costco. <laughs> Costco's, you're laughing because it stresses you out too. Costco's a very stressful place. It starts for me as I walk to the entrance and I begin to pull my card out and show it to the lady or the guy who's got a big old smile on their face because they know what you're coming into, okay? And I show it and all of a sudden I feel this suction towards my wallet. Like, it's like there, it's like trying to take my wallet because you never get out of Costco for less than $300. So here's the thing. I walk in and I'm like, I'm constantly stressed. I feel the tension and I'm walking. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need, I don't need paper towels for 74 years. And, and then you keep going like, no, I don't need past, a thing of pistachios to get me to my, when my children graduate college. Like, I just don't need these things. And you don't either. Here's the thing. Costco, it's a scam. All the workers, they're all in on it. <laughs> the pizza, the, wa the reason that's wafting throughout the place is there's something in it that takes your mind and it twists it, so you start buying things you don't need. <laughs> you don't need them. Neither do I. I got out of Costco for $7. I know what you're thinking now. You're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. It can be done, and I can teach you how to do that, but we're not doing that today. <laughs> it's for another time. Costco stresses me out. So you have your things. So let's talk practically about what stress is. What is it? Okay? So stress is, according to... Can I get my slides up here? Sorry to interrupt. I don't know if they can be put up there. They were last week. The Cleveland Clinic defines stress as the body's reaction to any change that requires an adjustment or response. Stress is brought on to us primarily, and I'll talk about that in a second after we finish the definition. The body reacts to these changes with physical, mental, and emotional responses. Stress is a normal part of life. Normal part of life. You can experience stress from your environment, your body, and your thoughts, even positive life changes, such as a promotion, a mortgage, or the birth of a child, produces stress. There's a key word 
in that definition that shows up multiple times, and it is the cause of stress. What's the primary cause of stress? It's this, change. Any change you experience can cause you stress. Driving down the road, someone cuts you off, it's like, right? Muscle tension. Your body starts to, to clamp up. Any kind of changes can cause this. That's but the reason is because predominantly stress is external. It's something that happens in your body. It's the tensing up of your muscles predominantly from here up. Shoulders, neck, your head. It's like you wake up in the morning, you're like this. By the end of the day, you're like this. It's because we live in a stressful world. There are three types of stress that I want to talk to you about this morning, and it's very important to understand these. First is acute stress. This is the most common form. It's like what I just described, and it's caused by the daily demands and pressures of life and can be positive. It's these instant things that happen to you sporadically throughout the day. It's not positive to get cut off in traffic, but it is positive how you respond to it. <laughs> Some people don't respond to it well. Sometimes they communicate a message to you. It's like, what did I do to you? You know what message I'm talking about, right? It's like, how in the world? But there are these acute things that happen throughout the day, these rapid changes and stuff that goes on that at times cause tension in your body. Uh, your, and then the next one would be this, episodic. Is it up there? No. Studying for tests in school would be an example of episodic stress. There's a rhythm, a rhythm to it in your life, something that's predictable, that you know these changes are going to come, and when they do, the tension builds in your body. And so uh, for me, for a lot of years, playing tournament golf created stress for me. It was rhythmic. Even in the course of a tournament of four rounds, I would have daily this tension that would build for me because I was going to have to compete. You might have this with work or something else, but the reality is this, ha this happens. And that's why we need to have ways of reducing that stress so that we can perform at our best. For me, I had to have ways of dealing with that as a professional athlete because you don't perform well when you're tense. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You will not perform well when you're tense. This isn't necessarily about performance. This is actually more about peace. It's about being able to move through life in a relaxed fashion to, to deal with the demands of reality. Episodic stress is often self-inflicted and driven by an attempt to accomplish unrealistic or unreasonable demands. The way in which we interpret the rhythms of our life, how we view them, is very important. Tim talked about this this morning. The view in which we take to the things that we're dealing with in life is very important. Are, they, are we unreasonable in how we're approaching them? Are we expecting too much, maybe sometimes out of ourselves? Unlike chronic, uh, unlike chronic stress, the episodic and chronic are not the same because it ceases from time to time. Episodic ebbs and flows. Chronic stress is this. This is the kind of stress that causes PTSD. Chronic, the type of stress that is brought about by long-term exposure to stressors, it's like being in a firefight. Uh, an unhappy marriage, traumatic experiences, unwanted career or job, stress of poverty, chronic illness, relationship conflicts, political problems, dysfunctional families. It's a stress that never goes away. This type of stress can seem unending, and it can be life-threatening. It affects your well-being in a significant way. So what is the state of stress today? And this is the biggest problem we face. Okay, here is Gallup did a um, emotion, uh, emotion assessment of the world. 
and a stress assessment of the world and the populations. This is in 2018. This is pre-pandemic. The United States on there is tied for fifth most stressed nation in the world with Sri Lanka, Iran, Albania, Tanzania, Philippines, and Greece. Those countries are not like ours. The United States is tied for, what, fourth or fifth most stressed nation in the world. And this is the culture you live in. This is uh, the American Psychiatric Association report, or Psychological Association report, post-pandemic, of people's sense of stress in the categories they normally assess if they're available, things like war, if there's a war going on. What do you see in upwards of 80% concern in these areas of the population they assessed? People today, post-pandemic, are dealing with chronic stress. It's a stress that never turns off. It does not shut down. You might, in this room this morning, raise your hand and say, that's me. And here's the thing, if it is, it's okay. But what I would also tell you is, it's not okay for it to stay that way. Eventually, it's going to cause really harmful things in your life. And so your strategy for how you approach it is very, very important. And so this is what I want to do right now is give you a practical tool called the stress matrix. It's a way for viewing, a way for uh, you to view your stress in life and to make strategic decisions around it. Okay? If you're taking notes and you want to draw something as I go through this, I would draw a box that looks like that with four categories on it. I'm going to walk through these here in just a second, but I did this so that you guys can see it. The upper right, my right, this one right here, is essential. This is a category that's, and I'll, I'll go into more detail. We have essential, which is helps us with our stress. We have perceived we have optional, and we have required categories in life, okay? So I'm just going to put this up here, and we can come back to it, and I'll leave it if you want to take pictures, but I'm going to walk in front of it too. So upper right corner, from my right, what is essential? This, these are the things that could add benefit to my life, help me deal with my stress. These are things like exercise, diet, sleep, supplementation, work-life balance, connected relationships, good healthy habits, sense of meaning, laughter, therapy, all of these things, and that's according to the Mayo Clinic. All of these things, when they're present in our life, help us deal with stress. They're essential for us. You need some of these things. You don't have to have all of them, but you better have some of them if you want to deal and manage your stress. Now we'll move into the things that we encounter that increase our stress, required things. This would be the lower right corner, or for you, lower left. Required stressors, these are things that are non-negotiables, things you can't get away from in life, your work. And depending upon the tension that your work creates, you have to make some decisions around that. Mortgage and rent, most people have to pay those. There are some relationships that can be incredibly stressful, marriages that can be stressful, parenting can be stressful if you have kids. Finances, let's just all agree, those are always stressful. Your assets and managing and taking care of them and also how you view your future plan can be incredibly stressful. And so those are required things that we all have. Next would be perceived stressors. This is things that may or may not be true in your life. And the question we have to answer around perceived stress is, do we meet or manage these perceived stressors? 
Up here I have self-prescribed, socially prescribed, and others prescribed and background. I want you to view it through the lens of expectations on your life. These expectations may or may not be true. Sometimes we put expectations on ourselves that aren't helpful or healthy. Sometimes we feel the expectations of others toward our life. And we don't necessarily know whether those are true or not. We're viewing them through a lens. We need to confirm to see if that's an expectation that someone actually has. And then, and then once you do, do you want to meet or manage that expectation? And then culture does this to us. Culture puts pressure and expectations on our lives. And you have to figure out what you want to do with that. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Start on a regular basis exercising your personal opt-out and unsubscribe from society. There are things that are going on you just don't need to do. Your best strategy that you have in dealing with this culture is deciding how you're going to function in it. You have a choice. You don't have to use social media. Right? Yeah, but most people go, well, I don't really use social media. I just text. <laughs> oh, really? Text message is a social media platform, people. It causes me anxiety. We'll get there in a second. Because people text you, and then they put a message in your box, and then you have to respond. And it's like, eh, I don't want to deal with you. and Go away. And then another one comes in, and you're like, I don't want to respond to that either. And there's this rhythm of life. And email. There you go. There's another one. These things have an impact, right? It's perceived, optional stressors. For me, I drew on here a camper that I've been remodeling for two years. It sits in my driveway. It's three quarters done. If I let it, it will cause stress in my life. But the reality is, I could get rid of it. I could sell it and not have to deal with it. Unfinished projects can cause stress in our life if you're that kind of person. Toxic relationships, how we cope with life. Mostly what we do around things like stress and anxiety is we develop coping mechanisms. I won't go into list. There's a whole bunch of them that we choose. And then spending, how you spend your money. So as we transition into anxiety, so this is a way of thinking about how to manage stress. And if, we, if you want me to get this to you in a more fuller form, I can do that and we can distributed through the church, but I just wanted to give you a strategic tool. Last thing I want to do before I transition to anxiety is I want to give you a practical help. How do you relieve stress in your life? Stress is mostly muscle tension, like I said, in your upper body, right? If you're dealing with stress, you need to stretch. You need your body, your muscles to be elongated. So here's what I do. It's like calling a play in football. The play is called Rock to Blob. It's a great name for a play, by the way. So what I try to do is I try to take my upper body tension and I try to make myself as tense as I possibly can for five seconds, and then I go to complete relaxation. So it's like this. I go... And then I breathe out. If you do that, you will feel a complete release. What you're doing is you're taking your muscle tension up to a place beyond what it is, and then you're releasing it. In an in a actual practical technique, this is titled progressive muscle relaxation, and you can do this throughout your body. But you got to have that. Anybody got a stress ball that you squeeze? Well, what's it doing? It's tensing your muscles here and then releasing them. You have to have a way of releasing tension in your body. Anxiety is not stress, and we're going to rapidly do this. But here's the relationship of how stress and anxiety work together. 
Stress is pressure and tension on your body. I need a little more air. You're like, what, are we at a circus? This is stress, pressure on your body. It's the squeeze. That's anxiety. Do you hear that buzzing that eventually caused the thing? I've only done that twice where it's blown up like that. It was special for you guys this morning. But that zzz on the inside that causes it to explode, that's anxiety. It's that gut-churning thing going on inside. Stress is external. Anxiety is internal. So what is anxiety? Let's talk about it quickly here. Anxiety, according to the American Psychological Association, anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or rapid heartbeat. Anxiety is an internal response to an external reality. Those realities may be true or not true. They may be thoughts that you're having that aren't accurate. So we have to have a way of managing that that internal struggle. Here's how practical help how you manage your anxiety. If, you need, if you're dealing with stress, you need to stretch. If you're dealing with anxiety, you need air. There's a breathing technique called three, four, five that I use. Inhale for three. Hold for four. Exhale for five. If you do that, you will feel that churning in your gut get pushed out because those things can't coexist in the same place. I don't know if you're like me, if you ever drank a bunch of water and a little too much at once and you start to feel like, and you didn't take a deep enough breath, you start to feel like you're going to like suffocate or drown, you get anxious. That's because you need air. Your body's going, breathe, fool. <laughs> breathe. Not like this. <laughs> like this. <sighs> Practical help. It's up to you whether you want to do it or not. I spoke to a bunch of college kids about the stress thing recently, and I did it on stage in front of 1,000 people because I don't really care. Like, it's just, it's just who I am. I go, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to do I asked them to do it with me, and they're like, you're not going to do it right now, I know, but you'll go home to your dorm, and 30 minutes from now, you're going to look around, and you're going to go, <laughs> you're going to try it. Please try these things. You, what you'll notice is they're very helpful. So if this is what anxiety is, I want to give a perspective on anxiety of how I think it's functioning in our culture, and I want to do it through an illustration of fly fishing, okay? So I'm a fly fisher. Anybody else a fly fisher in here? Yeah, there we go. I knew I'd get some of that in Idaho. Other places they go, we don't even know what that is. But this is what I think is happening in our culture. Okay, so as a fly fisher, for me to be effective, I have to do one thing well. I have to take a fly. Could you step on that? Thanks. I have to take a fly that is not real, and I have to cast it across a river, and then I have to drift it to a fish that's feeding. I've literally walked into his house or her house. And if I do this correctly, if I drift that fish down the river correctly, this fake fly that they think is food, and they feed on it and take, I set the hook, and I hook them. Now what has happened to that fish is something they did not expect, right? Totally unpredictable to them. And so then I fight that fish. 
What happens to that fish as soon as they're hooked is one of three things. Something unpredictable has happened to them. They either dive, they run, or they come out of the water shaking their head like this. They start fighting. That's anxiety. Here's what I think is going on in culture today. Is there where we have this river of stuff that is floating at us. We're having to make snap decisions of left and right. And some things are real and some things are not real. Some things work and some things don't work. And we take these things in and we try them. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is not working well. We've been hooked. And we start the fight. So here's, here's the reality is like it's not over yet. I'm fighting that fish. All I do is I hold the tension in their life. And then I let them move and I play that fish until eventually they give up. Anxiety is hypervigilance. Depression is hypovigilance. It's when the body starts to shut down, wants to give up. So once I get that fish to the place where I can wear it out, pull its head out of the water and get it sucking oxygen, going, <gasps> which oxygen is not great for fish that way, then I can land that fish. And this is what happens. You take a picture. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're like, you are a cruel human being. You step into somebody's house and then you take a picture with them after you put them through all kinds of trauma. But this to me is such a great illustration for how anxiety is functioning in our culture. And so what I'm going to do quickly here to the end is describe to you why I think anxiety is increased. It literally is the buzzword for our culture. And I want to do it through an illustration of the anxiety hook, what I just showed to you. Culture hasn't always been functioning the way it functions today. Back, oh, let's say 1900, culture was very different. People didn't live, people lived with a great sense of duty. You kind of did things because they were right. There was a deeper sense of stability across culture mostly. Let's say 1900 to 2000, maybe 1900 to 1969. That would probably be better. There was a deeper sense of community. You did things because they were right. People had a deep sense of duty. Do things because they're good. Well, we don't live that way today any longer. There's been a shift We've gone from duty to luxury. 2022, it's totally focused on self and individualism. I talked about that last week. And it's because it feels good. It's based solely on people's emotions. How they feel determines what is good and right. I said single greatest cause of stress was what? What was the single greatest cause of stress? Change. Single greatest cause of anxiety? unpredictability. It's like standing on two plates in your life and they can move at any moment. It's like being in an earthquake. So here's the thing. You need to do whatever you can to make your life as predictable as possible. Are emotions predictable or unpredictable? They can be super unpredictable. Emotions are great for helping us experience life. They're not great for telling us how to live it. And we need to make sure that we keep our emotions in check in the right way. Emotions can be very unpredictable. That's why they are horrible sources of truth. And yet the next generation has been told that they validate what is good, right, worth doing through their emotions. Terrible recipe. It's a, actually a recipe for disaster, right? So we need to push back on that. Unpredictability. Come on. 
85% of what we worry about never happens. Anxiety is self-generated, actually, at a base level. Some anxiety is normal. We've talked about this, right? And emotional regulation is the key to managing anxiety. If we want to prevent, and I think I said this last week, suicide in our culture, teach people to emotionally regulate. That is our greatest defense. Teach yourself to emotionally regulate. This is an acronym that I will bring back next week as well when I talk about depression and suicide for emotional regulation. We have to name it. We have to name what it is that we're feeling. That's the first step. Second is to observe your body. Where is it happening? Is it the churning in the gut? Well, that would be anxiety. Is it pressure in your shoulders? Probably stress. Are you feeling fear? You have to be able to name these things and then observe your body. The third is strategic. You reason with it. You talk to it. I know this might sound weird, but it's like, anxiety, what do I want to do with you today? Are we going to have, we going out on a date? I don't think so. You have to talk to the things that you're facing and reason with it. He said metanoia around repentance, to think about your thinking. Have that conversation in a practical way with yourself against those things. Reason with it. And then try to discover what is the trigger. When does it tend to show up in my life the most? What is causing it? And the last part is, do I need help? Do I need a person? Do I need a tool? Do I need a place? If there can be a lot of things that come in and buoy our lives in that way to help us to regulate. If you want that slide, you can shoot that QR code and it'll, it'll come to you. So as I conclude here this morning, I went through it really quickly, stress and anxiety. I want to encourage you to think about the things in your life that exist inside your own mental wellness plan to help you manage these things. It's very, very important that we understand that we are stewards of our lives and it's way beyond just our money. In a lot of ways, it's how we show up and that we have to steward our mental health well. So you have a chance to explore this question in a little bit. And a quick reminder is this. Why are we doing this? Because of hope. When we do this well, it increases hope in our lives. Like tanks in four areas. Our emotional health, our relational health, our intellectual health, and our vocational health. That's loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. It's doing practically what Jesus affirmed is the way, the path, and how we can live that out in life. So thank you for listening. I hope that was helpful to you for your own mental wellness plan and for the strategy. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the way that you walked through this world and how the, just the things that we coasted past there on our ride this morning, things like how you exercised, and that you were walking and talking with people at the same time, and how beneficial that, that was to your life, and how, how practical it was for you to escape and get time, and, and the peace that that caused for you, to be able to escape with your Father and to pray, the connected and meaningful relationships that you had in your life. All of these things, Lord, I pray that we would take cues from, that, from you on these things to integrate them into our own lives for the sake of our own stability to be able to establish ourselves on the rock and to live that way and to have those stable lives. Lord, I pray for this place. I pray for these people that that would have helped them in their lives, but also to help them encourage others in their life who may be struggling in this way. And we're thankful for this. In your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, can we give Ben a hand real quick?
I hope you're paying attention to what we're getting in these moments together. Uh, ben has done such a great job of, of reminding us that there was a way that Jesus lived his life. And that's what we want to build our lives around, right? And so this whole understanding of spirit, soul, and body, how do we function in the way that Jesus designed for us to function in a healthy way is really the recipe to living a life, can I just tell you this, that all of your friends and family want. The people that surround you in life, and I would even say for those of us sitting in here, that's the life that we want. Can I just invite you? Then let's do it the Jesus way. And that's what Ben's been presenting to us is just some really practical ways of looking at Jesus's life and going, oh, that's why he did what he did. Yes, there's a reason why he went away from people for seasons of times. He needed a break from them. So do you. Hello? There's a reason why he had some rhythms to his life because it created space for him to process through and to think and to, I love what Ben was saying, to have some conversations in your mind rather than just all the negative ones to deal with the ways that we're thinking about the way that we're thinking. Be wise about that. You know what that requires? Some intentionality in our life. It requires a few moments out of your day that aren't packed with all the other things that we typically fill them with. So church, we've got to learn some new ways and some new rhythms in life. I love Ben's, Ben's uh, practical tools of just breathing. If you understand the physiology of your body and how it functions, what he just told you right there is one of the greatest gifts that he's given. God made you breathe and, and required you to breathe for a reason, right? It's to slow you down just a little bit. And so all these tools are really practical. So here's what we want to do today. Every week we spend some time at the end of our service talking. Can I just tell you, these three weeks are probably some of the most practical conversations that we get to have as a church family around this walking in the way, right? Following Jesus in the way. And so I want to encourage you, don't bust out of here just because you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with all this mental health stuff. Try having a conversation with some people around it. You know what the really fun part about that is? You figure out very quickly that you're not the only one struggling with finding healthy rhythms to our lives. And, to, and so what we can do is we can learn from each other and strengthen each other in just a few minutes of conversation around here. So here's the two questions that we're going to be going through today. Can we throw them up? Here's the questions. Do you have a mental health or mental wellness plan? Okay. So think about that and answer that honestly if you're like, no, I have no idea what to do this way. Great. Have a conversation around that a little bit today. Second one, if not, what would it look like to create one for you? So how could you create a few minutes out of your life to think of some very practical ways, and here's a really good example of how to do that, to build some wellness around the way that you live, right, from a mental health standpoint, and to remind you that God is not just interested about saving your soul, uh, your, your, your spiritual component of who you are. Jesus came so that you could experience life to the full, and that means spirit, soul, and body. That means in every way that you live, okay? And so don't just be like, well, I'm just holding on to get to heaven. You can do that. It's just going to be a miserable journey getting there. Jesus has a better way. He has a way for you to walk right now that will bless your life and can I just tell you, the people around you will appreciate you doing a little work in this space as well. Amen? 
So let's, let's do this. Let's break into our groups. You can just do that with the people that are sitting right around you today. Introduce yourself. Begin some of these conversations. Take some practical tools into your week. Ready? Go. For those of you that are joining us online, pray that today was a blessing for you. As you just think about some of these spaces of, of mental health and wellness, we want to encourage you to think about these conversations and maybe set a plan into place for you and your family as you journey forward. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Covering me, I'm free when I'm broken by you. My life is safer when I get to the break. Bring my mistakes to the hand of the maker. Who I am is it up behind who I fade to be. My life is safe. When I get to the break, yeah. My deepest apologies for hiding the everything that needs to be by you won't leave me without